What's going on, coaches? Uh, one day closer to spring ball getting here. I know we're excited. We got about three weeks left in Oklahoma. Uh, for all you other states that get spring ball, I know you guys are excited for that start as well. Uh, go check out our website, runthepower.com. We've got some great installs for you guys on there. We've got uh, 12 clinics from our first summit uh, that are available up that you guys can find. Uh, there are breakdowns of offense, college offensive lines. There's breakdowns of college passing games. Uh, all stuff that we do through runthepower.com. Go check that out. Get your fix before spring ball. Uh, and then again, this summer, the very end of June, last week of June, we were putting on our very first hot summit with all offensive line coaches, uh, which again is going to be free if you watch it live. So excited about that. we got a lot of great stuff coming uh, for football offseason for you guys. This episode of RTP is brought to you by GoRoute. GoRoute is offering a spring ball special exclusively for our RTP subscribers. Between now and April 15th, the first eight subscribers of Run the Power who purchase a GoRoute system will be eligible to receive a $700 discount off their package or receive two additional units added to their package at no cost. All right, a $700 value. To take advantage of GoRoute Spring Ball Special, go to GoRoute.com and request a, qu- request a quote using the promo code RUNPOWER19 in the comments section. Okay, so again, uh, go to GoRoute.com, request a quote, and in the comments section, uh, enter the promo code RUNPOWER19. Uh, you guys can learn more at GoRoute.com, uh, email sales at GoRoute.com, or give them a call at 866-777-1448. Just mention us or run power 19 uh, to get your discount uh, of $700. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. Throughout their expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com at info at sidelinepower.com by email or give them a call at 800-496-4290. This episode is also brought to you by uh, Guardian Caps. Both of our programs uh, at Broken Arrow and Ankeny invested in Guardian Caps this year and we feel that they are really helping our guys out. Uh, They're soft shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice and are used by over 100 colleges and 1,000 high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are just a few of the colleges using them right now. Check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley has to say about them at OU and to get some pricing. Uh, And they're actually a lot more affordable probably than you guys would even think. Uh, Go check them out at guardiancaps.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with John Weaver. Coach Weaver is the wide receivers coach and culture coordinator at Madison Ridgeland Academy. Listen as we talk with Coach Weaver about his coaching journey, creating an identity for his wide receivers known as the Air Raid Brigade, and his team-building work as the culture coordinator at MRA. You can follow Coach Weaver on Twitter at MRACoachWeaver. Hope you guys enjoy.
So uh, my name's John Weaver. Grew up in Vicksburg, Mississippi, which was a big part of the Civil War, if you're familiar with history. Right. Uh, Siege of Vicksburg. And um, so it started there. My dad is in the military, so I, I traveled a lot, but not as much as typical uh, military kids do. Uh, so I, I actually was in the band in junior high, and I was about 5'2", 105 pounds. And uh, I, I was in the band, and my dad was like, you'll, you'll never really play football, I don't think, John. I was like, oh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> so um, That sounds like my – I hate to I hate to bump in here, but oh, like my grandpa, my uh, my um, my water heater just just broke, and I just had to get it replaced today. So um, my mom's like, "Call your grandpa. I'm sure he'll talk you you know into how to replace it yourself." And I call him up, and I'm like, "Well, pops, uh, my mom told me to call you up and and have you talk me into just you know doing it myself." And he goes, "Oh no, you got no chance of doing it. You better just call somebody." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, we moved and uh, we moved to Madison, Mississippi, where current, where I currently live now. And, uh, I hit a growth spurt. Um, and then we, we moved back. So we're like Vicksburg, then Madison, then moved back when I was in eighth grade and I hit a growth spurt and I went to uh, like five, four, from five, four to six, one. And uh, my dad's like, what are you going to do? And I was like, uh, he's like, look, try out the band. It's a new school. You want to still be in the band. I remember going and getting on that bus and I was standing at the bus stop and I had my, my cornet, which is a smaller version of a trumpet in my right hand and my book bag on my back and the bus comes by and, uh, uh look back and they went inside and the garage door was about to go down. And I left that trumpet case right there, <laughs> got on the bus <laughs> and signed up for athletics. <laughs> and uh, played at one of the one of the most storied schools uh, in Mississippi. It's not South Panola, who everybody thinks of, but Warren Central High School in Vicksburg is uh, where I played my high school ball. Uh, Josh Morgan, who played at Mississippi State, um, one of the free safeties there, and Brian Darden, some some big names that came out of Warren Central. But um, played there, was playing quarterback, broke my finger. Uh, we, the, the shotgun was not invented. I mean, even our receivers in a three point stance. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, back goodness. when Paul was great. Right. Yeah. So, um, was doing that. Then I ended up breaking my finger and can't really go under center with a cast and all that stuff. Um, so I ended up punting and, uh, playing a little bit of defense and my journey goes from Warren central to Heinz community college where I played with guys like Brad Banks, who was the runner-up in the Heisman behind Carson Palmer. Played at Iowa. Played at Iowa, correct. Uh, he was our he was wide receiver. Do what now? I say he's actually still up here, too. He, he's like a, a flag football legend, a, a kid that I coached. He played receiver wow. for me. And they, they have a flag football team, I guess, down in Des Moines, and they just kill people. Brad <laughs> Banks, QB. Yeah. We, he was a, actually, he was a wide receiver his freshman year at Heinz mm -hmm. and then transfer and then uh, ended up being our quarterback his sophomore year when we won a state championship and uh, play with guys at Heinz, uh, uh, Jerome McDougal, Andrew Williams, who are on the Miami championship team. Oh yeah. And ended up going to Memphis to, to punt. I was a third string quarterback and then in second string quarterback behind Brad Banks. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to touch the field. So I was a punter, a kicker. 
And long story even shorter, I go to Memphis, uh, Rip Shears fired. Tommy West comes in. He's like, hey, you can be our B team guy. There's a, a freshman we're looking at named Steven Gostowski. And hindsight's always twenty twenty. I made the best decision by going to Delta State, and they paid for my college and, <laughs> and played. So that's my playing career. Uh, tried out for the Atlanta Falcons in 05, and all the kids were like, Coach, how'd that go punting-wise? I was like, you see, I'm a teacher and a coach. Like, that's how it went. It was a great experience. But my coaching journey is, is pretty unique. Um, I was big into communication, so I was a graduate assistant at Delta State. And after, after 2004, I got an opportunity to go work for the Gulf South Conference in Birmingham and be their baseball contact and help with their football contact. So I got to see a bunch of Division II football and a lot of Division II baseball uh, at that time for, for about three, four months. And then got an opportunity to move to New York and uh, was in New York for a little while. And that was probably one of the coolest experiences, go to the old Yankee Stadium. Uh, so I was in communications and marketing and stuff like that. Um, then I moved to Athens, Georgia, and uh, was working with some more communication stuff with the uh, AJC, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, doing some stuff with that. And my, my grandfather uh, gets Parkinson's disease. And uh, he and I were wow. real tight. He, he was an L- he's an LSU guy. Harvard, MIT. So he's one of those smart dudes you want on your team when you play Trivial Pursuit. And uh, I moved back home and didn't know, didn't know really what, what was going on. And I knew I wanted to coach and teach since I was in eighth grade. And uh, it was one of those things I was like, you know, where, where can I go get a job for somebody that's going to hire somebody in June? And uh, a school called Porter's Chapel in my hometown uh, gave me a job and my first job was being the librarian so I can get on the football field <laughs> and they paid me a thousand dollars a month and I was like sure and they're like look you're gonna coach defensive backs and we made a great run we we went 14 and one that year or 13 and one and lost in the North State Championship on a pass interference call so I go there coaching stops at two other places and then I end up and finishing my master's degree at a place called North Sunflower, which is in Drew, Mississippi, uh, where Archie Manning's from. And uh, they said, look, we're going to let you coach ball. We'll help you finish paying for your master's. But after that, we can't guarantee anything. And I said, sure, that, that sounds awesome. So that Bill Matthews was the offensive coordinator, you know, the, uh, the dad of Shane Matthews that played at Florida. So I start learning the spread offense so I sit in his office and he's like hey I'm gonna call my buddy real quick well uh all right who are you calling he goes I'm gonna call Steve Spurrier I was like whoa <laughs> so we're on the phone with Steve Spurrier talking spread offense with him because Bill's son Shane played for Spurrier um well good season we finished I think seven and four or whatever well the season comes, season goes and my masters are finished where they don't have a job for me I, I don't have a coaching job so uh what does any other coach do? Hey, I'm going to go either A, sell insurance or work for Tower Loan. And it sounds like a great idea. Solicit money to people that probably will never pay that interest back. And that's, uh-huh. I was there for two days, guys. I was there for two days. And the guy looked at me, he goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm not doing this for the rest of my life. I can tell you that. <laughs> and uh, I always had that, that coaching uh, mantra. I always wanted to be on the sideline. You know, I, 
it was just in my blood. My dad's not a coach. My grandfather's not a coach. Like nobody in my line is, is a coach. And, uh, I called my dad and I said, look, I, I'm gonna, I don't know what I'm gonna do. He goes, you don't have a job. I said, I sure don't, but I'm gonna trust God. And he, he knows what something's gonna happen. Well guys, three days later, a guy from, uh, Mississippi that I coached in, in, um, at Porter's Chapel that first year, his son was a defensive back. Well, his best friend was on the school board at a place called Tallulah Academy in Tallulah, Louisiana. And he goes, hey, I don't know what you're doing now, but there is a spot that um, is open for a defensive coordinator at Tallulah. Are you interested? And I went, absolutely. He goes, look, you got to be there Monday at 8 o'clock to interview. I'm there. Guys, I interview at 8 o'clock. I meet with the board at 11 a.m. I'm on the football field practicing and meeting the team at 3.30. Hmm. So I, I, I go there. I'm the defensive coordinator. Uh, the team wow. was a dumpster fire. And when I tell you a dumpster fire, it was 0-10, 0-10, 1-9 and 9 the three years prior. And we knew that we had to be intentional with those kids. We knew that uh, they, had, they needed to know the truth that we weren't going to feed them a line of bull. Like, hey, I don't know how good we're going to be, guys, but we're going to work hard, and we're going to tell you the truth, and uh, you're going to earn everything. And these are country boys. And, they, you know, they're like, Coach, we got to be done with practice at 6.30 so I can go uh, cut beans in the field. I was like, sure, we'll be done hopefully by 6.30. But we go 7-5 and five and make it to the first round of the playoffs. Uh, and then the next year, uh, the head coach leaves, takes a headmaster job at another school, and then they asked me to be the head coach. We go eight and four, make it to the playoffs again. Well, then the guy that was the head coach is now at Porter's Chapel, so come full circle to the whole thing. And uh, he's like, look, I want you to come back and now be our head coach. Need in mind that when I was at Tallulah that first year as the head coach in year two after the guy left, we played Porter's Chapel in the first game of the season. And we beat them when I was at uh, Tallulah. Well, then I go to Porter's Chapel. And it's the, you know, they normally do a two-week rotation, excuse me, a two-year rotation on schedule. So every two years you get a new one. Yeah. And I'm at Porter's Chapel. We have to play Tallulah. I was like, all right, this is going to be interesting. They come <laughs> to our place. And the whole week I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not going to play this game up any. It's just going to be another game all that stuff, and our, my kids come in like, Coach, there's signs written about you on the fence. There's something written on the bus through. And I, I walked in. I said, look, I told you all week it's not personal, but we're fixing to get after their tail. And uh, that old thing where Bear Bryant says, I can take my 11 to beat your 11, and then I'm going to take uh, your 11 and beat my 11. I, I did that. We beat Tallulah, uh, 35 rip that game. So it was interesting. And then met a guy. Uh, where I am now at MRA at Madison Ridgeland Academy in Madison. Uh, it's a 4A school, and uh, I was the OC, went under uh, Coach Forrest Williams, and he was there for three years, got another job uh, on the coast, and then um, uh, Herbert Davis, who's now our head coach, came in. He said, look, I need you to go run our junior high program, which gave me a head coaching itch, you know, to go back and, and run our junior high program. Went. 21 and six in, in three years with them. Go back. Now I'm our wide receiver coach. Would, uh, I'm our culture coordinator as well. And we just finished 12 and one. 
and uh, finished runner-up in the state championship. So it's been a fun ride. I've been at MRA going on nine years. So it's, it's a weird journey from marketing to communications to uh, being a librarian to now teaching government and coaching wide receivers and the head track coach at MRA. So, Coach, I've heard of a culture coordinator at, at colleges, but what does that entail for you at, at a high school? Our, our head coach has uh, a bunch of ideas, and he, when we were on this culture journey, uh, we knew that something had to change. And I told him, I said, look, I, I'm pretty good at getting kids motivated. Uh, you know, the old players coach were five years ago, you didn't want to be the players coach. In 2019, you better yeah, be a now, coach. now you now you everyone you wants to be, and that's what it would be known as. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So I don't want to say I'm ahead of the curve, but um, really was ahead of the curve as far as making the kids earn everything, telling the truth, uh, getting to buy in something bigger than themselves. Uh, and for our school, I'm in charge of all of our leadership academy stuff. So anything that goes like we do a Monday. Um, motivation thing a tuesday motivation so we lift at 6 6 55 a.m monday tuesday thursday friday in the off season and there's a minute 45 clip that we play for our guys and it's nothing but uh maybe a, a movie clip and uh some words that we talk about and that's the kind of sets the tone for that hour and a half that we're in the weight room and then we go to uh like a tuesday and it's the same thing a thursday the same thing friday the same thing uh, I'm in charge of organizing our leadership academy as far as um, what our core values were going to be. So we're in year three of our core values, and we kind of retooled them, let the kids have ownership instead of us picking them. Our kids can add, edit, delete some stuff because it's a new team, which if you think about it, every high school football team is on rent to a coach every year. It changes. The dynamic, everything does. And uh, – that's what I'm in charge of. We're, we're in charge. I'm in charge of our summer speaking series. We pick the topic uh, each day in the summer. Each coach talks about this specific topic. So a uh, culture coordinator, he, he, he titled me that. And I said, Coach, that's awesome. What is that? He goes, well, first of all, it's just maybe just a cool title for you. I said, hey, I'll go with it. But it, right. it, it's turned into something more where uh, we, we discuss life with our guys and uh, it, it helps our kids more than just football. You know, we want them to be great young men when they leave our program. We want them to understand that, look, MRA was uh, a football platform, but we want you to be exceptional young men, great dads, uh, you know, great husbands when you leave. And 10 years from now, when you, when you will get married, I hope you send me an invitation because that's kind of impact you want to have on young people today. Um, so our, that's what our culture coordinator, uh, looks like, uh, that, that, I don't know. It, it was kind of a weird deal. He says, Hey, you're my culture coordinator. I was like, sounds good. <laughs> Do I get a pay raise? He goes, Nope. I was like, all right. <laughs> that's right. That's awesome. Well, one of the, one of the first person I ever saw do what you kind of mentioned is, is coach wall. So maybe he can expound a little bit about it, but the very first year at broken arrow, he was there as well as the offense coordinator and and he was actually doing what like what you said he was letting the kids decide what their um what their standards were for that year you know it wasn't it wasn't him saying okay here on our offense we're going to do this 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 and this and that's what our standards are for all of us and 
you know, he, he let the kids decide. Now, uh, he was very clever with how he phrased it, and, and he kind of steered them in a good direction. But, Walls, maybe you can expound on that. But uh, that was always one of the first things I remember you doing and, and something that um, I don't do a great job of right now, but uh, it's something I think is really important. And, and like Coach said, uh, gives these kids uh, ownership in, in what they'll be known as. Yeah, I think anytime it, it kind of becomes someone else's idea, you know, we've talked about it a lot on, on the podcast, but, you know, when, when somebody has ownership of the idea, someone has, you know, stake in the game or skin in the game, however you want to say it, they, they generally tend to, to go a little bit harder. And then at the same time, when we're put in charge of holding kids accountable, when they've come up with the rules, uh, when they've come up with how they're going to play the game and how they're going to interact with one another, uh, whatever it might be, and they've signed their name to it was kind of how we, we sealed it. Um, it makes it a lot easier for you as the kind of the, the policeman sometimes to, to go back and say, hey, these are the rules that you guys came up with, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the enforcer here and hold you guys to that rule. But again, why would you guys make this a rule if you didn't think it was going to be something that was important? So I think it's always a little bit easier too to to steer them back on on the line that that they want to be on because it's something they come up with and it's not some rule that you know coach weaver said and that they might have might have heard the rule or you know it's a rule that coach walls came up with and they didn't agree with it to begin with so now it's like well hey this was a rule coach walls had well yeah screw coach walls you know <laughs> i don't i don't yeah. i don't think that's a good rule anyway well now when it's a rule that they've come up with and and it's kind of a law that they've built it makes it real easy, I think, to to enforce it, and now to kind of get them to to maybe start to enforce it as well. Right. I think when you when you first get kids that they're interested in football, they're intrigued by high school football, coming from junior high to high school, and then it's our job as coaches to get them invested uh, into our program. So one thing we did, and uh, we did this two years ago, and uh, I'm big on identities uh, within a team, like a a smaller group. So when I coach the receivers, we, we're pretty good. We're, uh, we threw for 3,400 yards this year, uh, caught 41 touchdown passes. I mean, we were, we were electric, uh, average 42 a game. I knew, uh, and also know that wide receivers are probably, uh, the, the most prima donna guys on the, on the football field. You know, they want to catch the ball. They want to be flashy and stuff like that. And, uh, I said, you know, I got to come up with an identity for these guys some kind of way so we've had many 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 names come up so we were they called them themselves money crew and I was like how does that fit in with us and they couldn't really explain it well our our school's really unique we're right by an airport a small little airport um, and I said guys think about some of the airplanes and we throw the ball a lot um, and we have wide splits uh, with our wide receivers much like Baylor has I mean we're we're three feet from the sideline and our number two receiver is one yard outside the hash. I mean, we're really wide. And I said, guys, let's come up with something really fun that's unique to us. And they came up with Air Raid Brigade. And I was like, that's, that's really hard to say, guys. But we call them, <laughs> we call them ARB for, fly, uh, for, for short. So ARB is our, is our tag name. And I said, well, what can we be called? Like, what is our thing? They coach airplanes. They take flight. And I was like, guys, that's, that's golden. So our group, uh, and I'm, as, as we're talking, uh, our quarterback had, wrote, wrote a paper 
uh, for our uh, English department. He sends all of us in this group text about ARV, about what it means to him. So it's, it's about creating a network with those guys. Um, so anytime we see something, like when we break down, it's ARB, take flight, uh, stuff like that. So it's, I think it's important for coaches to, to break, to have an identity. Like you have your team and you don't want to separate the team from the smaller group, but it's a, you're with a position coach a lot. So the O-line coach is with the O-line a lot of time at practice, whether it's during team and you're watching just the O-line or you're in individual drills or you're in inside run, whatever it is, uh, you, you got to have something you can hang your hat on with those guys. And a lot of times I, th- I think coaches uh, get – I don't know how to say this without offending maybe some people, but <laughs> just, just say it, coach. <laughs> you know, I think people just are there and they want to say, hey, I'm just here, I'm going to coach these kids, I'm going to go home. Well, that was probably fine back in 1960. But if you're – and you got to think about this. You're, those kids see you more than they see their parents in a football season and even in an off season. I mean, they get, they get to us at 6.55 in the morning and don't leave us until 4.30. Well, then no telling. They're probably going to go hang out with their friends until 6. They'll eat dinner, probably not with their parents. And then they'll walk by and they'll have their, hand, their, their phone in their hand and they'll say, hey, good night, and that's it. And they're back seeing us again. So it's important to us to cultivate a relationship with those guys where they're just not a football player, where they're more of a person that, you know, they can come and say, coach, love you, coach, appreciate it. And it can mean it. But I think that that has to be cultivated by the coach taking ownership of, hey, I'm going to treat my guys just like I would coach my son every day. And that's my outlook. When I coach my receivers or when I'm coaching the pole vaulters in track or I'm coaching uh, sprinters or triple jumpers or whatever, I, my mind is, hey, that, I'm coaching that kid just like he's my son or how I want my son to be coached. And I think that's important with today's game going forward. And, you know, being a player's coach is huge. Create an identity with your team, whether it's, you know, even the running backs, you know, just – do something different that makes you stand out, not just for the purpose of, hey, look what I'm doing, but making an impact in those kids' lives. Well, they, they, I, I was just listening to, because uh, we just took a trip to Seattle, I was just listening to Jocko's uh, Dichotomy of Leadership, and mm-hmm. one of his chapters talks almost exclusively about that um, in a roundabout way, but uh, they're talking about their task unit bruiser uh, and Charlie Company. They were always, uh, they wanted to create their own patch, but uh, Jocko told them not to and that it was, um, you know, whatever he see, you know, he had said, you don't want to look too flashy in front of everyone else. And, and basically they kind of snuck behind his back <laughs> and made one patch, you know, for all of their, well, they were kind of wearing all their own patch, but then they made their own Charlie company, um, uh, patch and, and it looked badass and all this stuff. It was really cool. And then, uh, he kind of found out about, about it and they thought he was going to freak out and kind of lose it on him. And, and he never ended up, you know, uh, say anything about it, but, kind of getting back to that whole thing of, of um, yes, you're still a part of everyone as a group, but uh, have a little bit of pride in your smaller group. Right. And, I mean, they even call my office where we go and watch film, The Hangar. They're, like, <laughs> they're, not, they're not going to, uh, to my, my office. They're going to The Hangar. And then if you look at my Twitter, I'm the Air Raid Brigade captain, so they don't call me Coach Weaver. And I don't, I don't get 
caught up in being coach or whatever. I mean, as long as you're saying yes, sir, no, sir, or whatever. So they don't even call me Coach Weaver. They call me captain. And then one of the receivers calls me pilot. So my challenge to them this year, I said, if, look, if I don't have a nickname, which is awesome, I love Top Gun. There Why don't you, you guys come up with your own call sign? That's right. We'll talk about it during, during spring. And then in the summer, we don't call each other by their names. We call each other by our call sign. They're like, that's awesome, Coach. I was like, look, if we're going to own this thing and ARB is going to be a part of our life, well, then that, that's where we're going to make it. And uh, I'm going to make it a prerequisite that you have to watch Top Gun. So we might watch that at my house, like invite them over or something. And like, hey, you, you got to understand what Top Gun is and taking flight and all that <laughs> hey, stuff. And You and Coach Walls might have just become best friends. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, hey, that that's – that's the way to do it, dude. I mean, I think, you know, in Urban Meyer's book is the same kind of deal. You know, he's talking about, you know, when, when they were going to really, really be good, all nine of their position groups needed to be operating at that optimum level. Mm-hmm. So kind of, you know, yeah, it's, it's the team within the team, but you know, you can't manage an entire team very, very well. You really have to rely on those assistant coaches and and I tried to do that too when you were a coordinator was, hey, ha- have an attitude, have a mantra, have a, sta- a set of standards for, for your your position group. I mean, yeah, we're going to have our overall, our overarching themes. Right. I wanted your, your position group to be yours. And, and that's your, your family that, that's going to be, you know, what, what you guys kind of hang your hat on, what you guys really, really believe in. I, I think that's huge. And, you know, and, and, and showing them Top Gun, now that, that – that makes a connection like, Hey, this is one of the movies I watched when I was growing up, you know, and all of a sudden now they can, Hey, well coach, here's some of the movies we like. And now you're talking about some of those things. You know, I got kids that, you know, coach walls, what, what kind of music do you listen to? And I'm like, well, when I was your age, this is what I listened to. Like, Oh, really? You know, like I didn't think you listened to to rap music. I said, well, I don't now, (laughs) but but I said back when I was your age, I listened to a ton of it, you know, and I go, so, who's some of the guys you listen to now you know of course I know a bunch of them I, I still listen to a little bit of it but it just creates so many more connections and they don't just see you as that superior figure or that that person in their life or like dude I was a kid just like you too yeah like I, they, I, they, I asked me if I ever played. Yeah. they asked me if I, like I talk about like doing funny dances at practice and like coach you play Fortnite I'm like no I don't like hey you know all those dances I was like I, I just I watch you guys <laughs> but you know they and you know we start there's there's one song and i i think it's not non-stop by drake and i i didn't even know the name of it and uh our guys were it's like that's our favorite pregame song that our guy that our uh, our running back coach runs all of our pregame stuff and uh that song comes on and they look at me and i look and i'm like i don't even know what the words are but i'm dancing and it's fun but they're like coach you you listen to this i was like I, I do now. Do now. <laughs> um, Walls but, named it. Walls and uh, Dub named a play after it. I don't know if you and Dub or you or somehow it got named after uh, Mav got named after um, Top Gun. Yeah, that we actually named one of our uh, switch verts. <laughs> when you when you cross your hands or whatever, you know Maverick saying I was inverted. So right. Like, all, we're, all we're doing is inverting what we do. So again, we had to. I had to teach him the signal that this was Mav and then why we call it Mav. There's like one guy that knew, yeah, oh, coach, it's, it's Maverick from Top Gun. I'm like, yep, that's why you're my favorite player. 
you, you knew the answer. <laughs> but, but the other ones, I had to like, I had to pull the clip out. I'm like, okay, this is a movie, Top Gun, 1986. This is before you guys were born. You know, some of you might want to watch it, but I'd show them the clip of you know Maverick saying how you know he flipped the plane over and said we were at a range of two and a half. And like, well, you know, how'd you see it? Because I was inverted, you know. So <laughs> the kids get to see it, and then, and then of course after that, they all think, yeah, coach, that's cool. You know, hey, call Mav. You know, so I mean. Absolutely. We did. We had the same similar thing. So I was in charge of our kickoff team, and our kickoff coverage team was all full three years ago. And I was like, <laughs> Coach Davis, whether we onside or kick it deep, they're going to get the ball in the negative 40. He goes, so what do you want to do? I was like, uh, there's a guy named Kevin Kelly that does crazy onside kicks, and I could call him. He goes, all right, do it. But what are you going to call it? I was like, uh, Coach. You know, I love Top Gun. He goes, well, we need three kickers. I said, yep, Maverick, Goose, and Ice. <laughs> <laughs> so our normal kicker was Maverick. Our our kicker that would, um, like, sure-handed onside guy, we called Ice. And then there's one that was squirrely, just played soccer. He was a receiver. He was kind of crazy. I was like, all right, you're Goose. He goes, why do I have to be Goose? I said, because that was the last one left. <laughs> <laughs> So they, they, they enjoyed that. We had uh, – at one point, we, we did those onside kicks in, the, in a playoff game in the first round of the playoffs, and the other team got the ball four plays in the first half because every time we scored, we onside kicked. Now, one of them, we, we forgot to do our assignment, and the guy picked up the ball and ran it back, and I was on the headset, and I was like, Coach Davis, hey, there's good, one good thing about this because what, what's good thing about them scoring? I was like, we get the ball back. <laughs> so um you know guys it's i think football has grown so much than just the x's and the o's which look they're important don't get me wrong you got to have them on your team you got to have them with you know fourth and goal from the two that play that you're going to run from you know in the red zone or first and ten and you're heels or your quarterback's heels are five yards deep in the end zone you know you got to have those x's and o's but i think the player player ownership player-led teams uh, the ones that you let uh, or i even say that the ones we empower the kids that we empower to take ownership and that are player-led and the kids kind of run with it where you're not hustling them out of the locker room they're the ones waiting for you standing on the line ready for you to give the command of hey what's next um, is where this game's going to. And I think that's why Dabo Sweeney's been successful. Mm-hmm. It's not because of the X's and O's. It's, I mean, he's had Hunter Renfro for like 20 years, it seems like. I mean, he's one of the best players. But it, it's how he empowers those kids and the culture that – and that's the buzzword that goes on when you heard the national championship game. Kirk Herdstreet said it a bunch, culture, culture, culture. But I think culture's been with us forever. And I think back to my culture journey when I was a senior at Delta State. I was our uh, president of our leadership council uh, of our team. So we had two seniors, two juniors, two sophomores, um, and then a freshman. And Coach Rhodes, now this is back in 2003. And I still remember that his favorite movie is The Three Amigos. Because he brought me in his office. He goes, hey, I want you to watch something with me. And ordered some pizza and he goes, this is my favorite movie. And I was like, coach, why am I in here? He's like, well, <laughs> why am I watching the three amigos with you? He goes, well, just want to let you know that you're a permanent team captain. And, uh, all you do is punt and kick for us. 
but your drive for our team is more than anything. And I said, well, I appreciate it. He goes, no, I'm, I'm serious how you gave up your scholarship. So I was the, I told you my communications background. I was the editor of the school newspaper and played my last year ball, which we had to get the paper out on Tuesdays. I had to make sure that I was at team meetings at like three 30. And, uh, with being the school editor, it gave us, you know, a full ride. And I, I went up to coach Rhodes uh, and I said, look, I, I don't know why I'm doing this. I just feel led to, but you've inspired me and you've empowered me and given me a bunch of uh, command and stuff to do with our team. I, I want to give up my scholarship. He goes, you got some money coming in somewhere. I said, actually I do. I just got the editor of the school newspaper and I get a free ride. So if you need my scholarship to go get another player, go ahead. And he, you know, he, he having, and I'm not trying to brag about that at all, but he is how he showed us how to lead what he did, you know, how he treated his wife, how, how he handled uh, problems in the locker room, how he handled the team uh, just showed us how to lead. And I was like, you know, I, why am I going to hoard two scholarships when we, maybe we can go get a three-star defensive back that helps us win a game or two. So uh, that was back in 2003. So culture has been around for a long time. Uh, I just think it's more intentional and it's more out there now. And that's the buzzword that everybody uses, but there are coaches all over this nation that have been doing it uh, for a long time uh, than ones that in 2018, 2019. Yeah. It's been something like you say, it, it's been around since uh, any, you know, since uh, the first group of men got together to do anything uh, from war to, uh, any sport, but, but it, it is, it's a, it's a huge buzzword. Uh, I started hearing it a bunch ever since uh, uh, Herman got to Houston and Texas. That's when I started hearing culture. I heard that a bunch and, and that, but that was one of the first guys that I heard kind of preach that word uh, to their players. And uh, you know, there always be coaches kind of talk about it, but they'd actually preach it enough to their players to where you hear their players answer things. and. And the answer their players give is, is something about, oh, it's just what our culture is and we do it for our culture and, and this and that. And, and that was one of the first places I ever heard uh, the, the actual kids uh, start using that same lingo or that same terminology. Right, like P.J. Fleck right now. You know, their, their culture, they even have a name for their culture. It's the hyper culture. Um, you know, there's so many teams and coaches it just that's important how we say it's a buzzword that when you set your core values, when you set your credos, it can't just be a buzzword because if you just put stickers on the wall and they're just there and hey, these are our mottos, these are what we live by, but that's all you talk about maybe one time every 72 hours. Well, then that's not your culture. Uh, your culture is what, like you said, your kids live it every day, and those kids want to know why you do stuff and how you do stuff and coach what's next. and. I think it's important we ask them to be leaders. And that's a big thing going. We lost a big group of uh, senior leadership and they were player, we, our team was player led. And I think nowadays your culture has to show, we have to show kids how to lead. What Nick Saban says, you know, kids want to be leaders. And we ask them all the time, hey, or we tell them, hey, you have to be a leader. Well, then crap, they don't know how to lead, you know? So we have to show them, and, and that's what your culture needs to be centered around. You know, what do you want your team to be and, uh, and, and run with it? So uh, 
there's a bunch of different things that, that we do uh, that I think work, but you know, we're, we're not reinventing the wheel. People are like, Hey, the, you know, technology is a big thing. I was like, technology, I was like a wheels technology. So don't get me on that. But <laughs> they always have their phones in their hands. You got to connect. And I said, like, well, if you got to connect with them, get on Twitter, get on Snapchat, get on Instagram. They're like, well, you didn't say Facebook. I said, you better not ask them about Facebook. They'll tell you you're old real quick. I like old people. <laughs> so right. I, I think you have to live in their world to understand who they are. Yeah. I mean, you know, no I, I posted a picture on Instagram and they're like, coach, I, I saw you uh, pushing your son on the, I was like, yeah. And, and that's just a conversation started and all I did. And the golf cart broke down and I had to push it. And I said, Luke, you got to drive son. I'm going to push. <laughs> um, but it just creates, um, a common interest with them that, Hey, coach is cool. Cause he's on Instagram. No, I'm not. I, you know, I, I want to connect with you and live in your world a little bit to know who you are and have discussions at football practice rather than just, Hey, when we run Y cross, this is what we need to do. It's more like, Hey, how's your family? How's your, you know, what you doing this weekend? Stuff like that. Well, and, and we had Eric Kapitulik on here and he's the, the head of the, of the program and, and an ex, um, uh, military uh, guy and and one of the things that I always well the biggest thing probably I stole from him is is being able to limit your core values or or uh, your standards to just a you know like he said three maybe four at the very max uh, uh, amount of core values or core words whatever it is you want to use because uh, you see some people and they get into seven eight nine uh, different values or different um, words to remember and and it's just too many things for for anyone to remember or for that to be your your core values and have you know eight or nine different ones it, it's important to be able to narrow those down to your three or, or four maximum and and really dig into those and really live up to those yeah we have five and then we added a sixth one we called it payday uh and that's game day because you put in all that work you want to get paid <laughs> uh, so payday is our is our final one on Friday. Um, we have family as one. Compete fearlessly, discipline, toughness, and then we just uh, our kids love the word ball hawk. Our defensive coordinator Danny White says awesome. it's going to be fast, physical ball hawks. And uh, and so I was like, all right, if you want ball hawk to be one, uh, we'll add it. But you got to come up with the credo. And so I guess we have six now. But we started out with five, and uh, our kids love it. They say the credos uh, before the first game. Uh, they have to know all your teammates. So there, there's some cool things that they do. Uh, we're talking about maybe having a karaoke thing during fall camp, uh, just something to, to lighten the mood of, of uh, doing some – just doing football over and over and over again. So our kids enjoy it. Um, you know, we had a 12-1 season. Jerry on Ely, who's a – the Under Armour All-American running back that uh, signed with or committed to Ole Miss. He's the running back that we had to stop in the championship game. So, uh, anyway, I think that's just – that's one way, one way that you can you can empower your kids is, is let them have ownership of the team. And uh, anytime they, you can give them a voice, I think they're going to run with it a lot farther than in, when the coach says, hey, this is who we are, this is what we're going to do, um, and make them – uh, buy into that one of the things i did this year too 
to to have a little bit of fun and, and lighten the mood but you're, you're talking about being on twitter and instagram and uh I, I did it one time because i busted one of i think it was one of my receivers and you know of course it was his his girlfriend's birthday you know and he's got all the lovey-dovey tweets and the stuff so of course now i i screenshot it the first time and i, I read it after practice and i kind of played it up like hey guys i got some some important information for you and I want to make sure I read it. And of course, then I read the tweet and I read it all, you know, great, crazy for him, you know, <laughs> talking, talking all funny or whatever. And so then after that, it got to a point where anytime a kid put anything, you know, remotely close or, or it got tweeted to him about, you know, his girlfriend or him being in love or anything like that, like kids were just sending it to me like <laughs> daily. It seemed like, so I, I could always read it. <laughs> read it in the weight room or read it at the end of practice. And it got to be pretty cool. You know, the kids, again, you know, they see you in a different light and they know you're going to have fun with them. But then at the same time, you know, you kind of preach like, Hey man, you're 16 years old. You're not in love. You know, you kind of have some of those conversations because then, you know, maybe they break up with somebody or whatever, but you know, fun. But then at the same time, like, Hey, you know, it, there was some real world application to it. And the, and the kids, it gave them another way for them to kind of connect you. Like Coach Walls was the designated guy you'd go for the call-out stuff. <laughs> you know, so if you're putting something on media that you shouldn't have been, you're going to get called out. Right. And I think, you know, they like Instagram, I think, more than anything because it's pictures and they're visual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that lets them into your life a little bit. So, you know, me taking a, somebody taking a picture and posting it of my, my daughter and my son maybe swimming in the swimming pool, they're like, oh, Coach does have a life outside of what, what we do you know he 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 doesn't just watch film 24 7 um and like former players uh i'll see him in like walmart or something and take pictures and they know like coach coach gonna take pictures with everybody i was like guys it's just a a way to connect it's a way to let you into my life um but you know that i I don't think about football 24 7 like you think i do um i have a wife and two lovely kids that, that i hang out with as well um, another thing I wanted to tell, tell you about what we, what we started doing and I'm challenging our coaches with it this year is for our position group. Uh, I wanted to let them know what I thought of the week of practice they had and then how they, uh, like what to look forward to this game. So every week and not saying it'd be a handwritten, like full page letter, but I got like index cards or little folding uh, cards that were blank and wrote a letter to them uh, handwritten because you know the power of a handwritten note um, it's a, not not many people do it now they send a text they call you or whatever but uh, the power of a handwritten note and uh, each one of my receivers whether you started or whether you were a sophomore who maybe was just on kickoff but you were part of our receiver group you got a handwritten note and that look it took me an extra probably 50 minutes a day, um, wrote them on a, a Thursday as we practiced on Thursday mornings and uh, wrote them that Thursday afternoon and they were in their lockers. And uh, one of the kids at our banquet was like, coach, I, I have every one of those letters. And the dad came up to me after the banquet. He goes, Hey, I just want to let you know, thanks for investing in my kid. And I was like, you know, sir, that, that's just who we are. That's what we're going to do. And as long as I'm the wide receiver coach here, or if I go somewhere else, um, my players are always going to get handwritten notes because I think it's important for them to understand, hey, I appreciate what you do for me as a position coach. Uh, I appreciate what you do for this community, and I appreciate what you do for the school. 
Um, so it's just that's one thing I'm gonna challenge our coaches with. Um, you know, and like I said, there are so many different things, and I, maybe that's why Coach Davis made me the culture coordinator. Um, I don't know, but it's it's worked for us. Like I said, our receivers were were bad to the bone this year, and um, they were so bad to the bone. The team that beat us in the championship game, guys, <laughs> their wide receiver coach called me that next morning. He goes, "Hey, this is Coach So and So," and I was like, "Yes, I got to <laughs> ask you, uh, uh, how do your what, what do your receivers do at practice to catch so good and do all this?" And I said, "I would love to tell you." but we're going to play you again next year. <laughs> so he was like, well, what's your secret? I said, my kids will lay in the street for me. And he goes, oh. I said, that's all I got, coach. I said, they'll lay in the street for me. And I think that's big time. Because when you get a kid to either, A, run through a brick wall or lay in the street for with uh, for you, uh, you got them hooked. And then uh, they'll do anything else you want them to do. Well, coach, you, and you also mentioned that, uh, you know, you also run – uh, or, or co-host a podcast. So I was kind of curious since, you know, obviously we do as well. How'd you guys get that started? And, and uh, who, do you, who, who do you run it with? Uh, I know you mentioned these in, uh, I think you said Iowa, but uh, yes. how'd you guys get connected? And, and uh, what made you guys decide to, to start one up? And, and uh, how's it been going? Uh, it's, it's been going pretty good. Um, you know, I'm a big John Gordon fan. And, you know, he has his one word that he challenges everybody with because uh, I, I was always that guy's like, Hey, I'm going to get back to my playing weight. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go and bench 225 on power clean 245. And that's my new year's resolution. Well, you know, as well as I do, that goes about three weeks and you're like, <laughs> man, uh, I got other things to do. <laughs> so one word stuck with me really, really well. And uh, I've been doing it for three years. And my first one was persistence. Uh, my second one, which is probably one of the hardest fruits of the spirit ever, is patience. And then this year, I was like, you know what? I want to – some of the stuff that we're doing with our program and how I uh, treat my athletes, I, I want to use the word influence. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go with influence. So then I, I spoke at a conference back in – when was it? November? Even before uh, I had my one word. and. I was talking about the culture of my classroom and creating a hyped culture. So hype, being excited. And I used ED for education, um, for uh, keep creating a hyped classroom and what it looks like. And then I titled it grade book to game plan, making education co-curricular, education athletics co-curricular. And one of the people said, man, you need to start a podcast with that. I was like, whatever, like nobody wants to hear what, the classroom and creating culture and all that stuff. And like, no, really you need to. And I was like, all right. So I, I dug into what it took to start a podcast and they said, it's free. I was like, that's the greatest four letter word ever. <laughs> that's and, exactly uh, right. And then they're like, Hey, you can go through SoundCloud and you can do all the, the stuff and you can get on iTunes. And then I was like, wait, iTunes like, yeah, you get this. And I was like, all right, well, I also have a graphics company called JKL graphics. Um, and it's on Twitter at, at graphics, JKL and all the JKEL stands for is John, Kristen, Emery, Luke. That's my family. And a guy from Denison, Iowa wanted a schedule graphic. And I said, all right. He goes, how much is it? I said, schedule graphics for your iPhone or 50 bucks. He goes, that's it. I was like, 
yeah, coach, I, I was in graphics, communications and marketing. I, I can do this kind of stuff. And so he and I hit it off we got talking and we shared a lot of the same similarities of creating culture. So John Torrey is my co-host. He wrote the book more than the game. Uh, it's just unbelievable. It's, uh, it's about, I can't tell you about the whole story. Uh, I'm reading it currently right now. He just sent me a copy. Um, but it's about creating a culture with it, just exactly what we're talking about. So John Tory and I were like, Hey, let's do a podcast a month. I was like, all right, sounds cool. Well, we did the first one and I was like, man, we got to do this again. And then we did the second one. He's like, you want to do them every week? And I was like, dude, <laughs> like, man, all right, sure. So we just released episode seven and we've been going since January 3rd uh, of 2019. And um, he's in Iowa where it's minus 20 and freezing. <laughs> yeah. I told him, I was like, well, it's 43 here. He goes, Oh, that's my golf weather. And I was like, dude, um, I, I'm not going outside in 43 degree weather. So I won't <laughs> be visiting exactly you right. anytime soon. <laughs> um, so we're getting guys on there like Mitchell Moore from Roosevelt. Um, we had some other coaches on, um, we're looking to get a couple of college coaches on, um, Chad Morris was, uh, supposed to come on, but their compliance guy would not let him on. So I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> I had dinner with him uh, Friday night in Hot Springs. We were at a coach's clinic in Arkansas and had dinner with uh, Coach Morris and Coach Stepp. And uh, you talk about uh, Arkansas getting it back on track. Uh, if he turned SMU around, uh, he's definitely going to turn around Arkansas uh, with with their culture and what, what he believes in and you know empowering those kids. But that's how we started and, um, you know, it's fun. You connect with a lot of people. And I started listening to y'all's podcast and I was like, this is awesome. And uh, I was like, yeah, we run the power. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we, we want to one we call it uh, JAG. It's our one back power. And we threw an RPO off of it. And, uh, anyway, I was like, this is a cool podcast. So I, I, I called John Torrey and I was like, JT, um, dude, have you heard this podcast? And he's like, no, he goes, well, see if they'll get on our podcast. And I was like, well, I'm going to go on their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, this, this podcast is kick butt. And, uh, anyway, that's how it started. So, um, we're in episode seven. We talked today about how what's, we're going to episode eight is going to be about interest versus investing. And, uh, it, it ties in, how athletics and academics, how teachers need to hear more about how a culture is run because they're, they have kids that put butts in their seats and sit in a desk for 52 minutes. Now you better do something different if you want to keep them engaged in your classroom. And, uh, so that's what we do. We interview teachers and coaches and just how they're impacting kids and some techniques that they use and, it's worked out well for us. So uh, no telling what 2019 is going to be, but uh, for me and my one word, it's going to be influence. And that's what we plan on doing, influencing um, other coaches, and teachers, and players, and whatever. So it works. Well, that's awesome. And, and the cool part about it is, uh, like you said, it is so cheap to run. Um, we don't, ours isn't free, but it's, it's, uh, it's very, very cheap. Um, and, and being able to push it out for all the coaches to get for free. And, and, you know, we hear from so many that listen to it while they're working out or their commute and uh, everyone always wants to, uh, you know, basically read, but it, 
be able to do it while you're driving a car or while you're working out. And so you can't read, but you can listen. Uh, so it, it's been an awesome thing to be able to do. And, and for us, and I'm sure you guys feel very similar, but for us, it's like, uh, it's like we get to clinic, uh, we, we record four a week. So it's like we get to uh, clinic four times a week, you know? Yeah, and awesome. so it's not like we're restrained to, uh, going to a couple clinics a year, we get four clinics, four hour long clinics, uh, every single week. And so it's, it's such an awesome experience and I'm sure you guys are, are the same way. So, uh, it's exciting. We always love to, to see, uh, some of the new podcasts, some podcasts that we haven't heard of because, uh, again, it's just coaches talking football or, or talking about, like you said, culture or even the classroom, which is, you know, the other half of our job, especially at the high school level. So, uh, it, it's really exciting and, and we're glad when we heard from you guys because, uh, you know, we love talking football, love talking, uh, to other guys with podcasts. And so, and, and we like to think we've figured a couple things out. And so, uh, if you guys ever need any, any help with anything or, or any ever need to bounce any ideas off, we don't know, we don't know at all, but we've, <laughs> we've, uh, we've gone through some growing pains and, and, um, you guys have got a leg up. You guys have already got all the, uh, like you said, all the graphics and all that figured out. That was something that uh, we kind of had to teach ourselves, and, and ours aren't very good. But uh, just kind of yeah. what I've taught myself on on uh, Photoshop and on uh, the Adobe Suite. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll hook you guys up um, for having me on and stuff like that. Uh, I'll give you like three free graphics, and you let me know what you want. Awesome. And, and I'll create them and send them over to you. Um, I do cool Twitter banners. If you want to go and look at JKL graphics, I do Twitter banners for coaches. Um, I know you're probably familiar with, uh, what's his name? Garrison Carter at ADM. I did his whole coaching staff, uh, Twitter banners with their name on it, their, their picture of them coaching on it, uh, and doing some cool stuff. So I'll hook you guys up. Um, I'll make each one of you a Twitter banner if you want, and then I'll do an RTP, uh, kind of thing for you. Um, to get that thing going. I just, I, I love athletics. I love um, what sports do for young people and how it connects guys like me and you um, to, to share knowledge that, you know, maybe somebody wants to hear like they're, and they're <laughs> walking, exactly right. uh, you exactly know, right. and if you take one thing from a podcast, one little nugget, uh, it's worth it. So, uh, and I got that from Brian Kite. Uh, he was here for a coach's clinic. And uh, I was like, Brian and John Perry from Pearl High School had him come speak at our Mississippi Association of Coaches. I said, hey, let's go out to eat. He's like, what? I was like, I'll get us a meal. Let's go eat. Um, We'll go to Kessler Prime. And it's a nice steakhouse here. It's the best steakhouse in Mississippi. I'll plug them for that. But uh, anyway, (laughs) (laughs) um, I sat down with Brian Kite and got to pick his brain from Focus 3 Podcast. Yeah unbelievable knowledge he has on you know on what e plus r equals o and doesn't matter get better and um you know being one percent better and stuff like that so and no bcds we talk about no bcds in our program no blaming complaining and defending your actions Mm. um there's so many good things so if you get one thing from a podcast i mean i hope listeners got one thing from me i mean i'm just i'm a coach that loves kids and uh, wants to empower them and um, you start doing that, then the wins start happening, not in the reverse order. So I think you empower those kids first. The X's and O's take care of themselves um, with that. But uh, no, guys, y'all, y'all do an excellent job with this podcast, and I can't thank you enough for uh, for having me on. 
Well, thanks, Coach. Yeah. We love we love getting to do it. Uh, last thing before before uh, we we let you leave, we always like to ask the last question. Uh, my my last question is always: uh, When you're watching an offensive line play, uh, what's some things that they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Um, for me, and and I think about our offensive line, where we've had Sadiq Charles, who's at LSU, Sean Rawlings, who is at who just finished at Ole Miss, and then Nick Rowan, who just graduated with us, who's going to Navy. Uh, I think of – and they're the hardest unit to get to work together because you think about it. Um, when that unit works together, it is so smooth. But when they're not together, it's, it's like broken glass. And yes, I, I think Yes. And I, I think it's important for, a, for an O-line coach, one, to have a rapport with those guys because one, they get no love. There's nobody talking about them. And you hear that all. I mean, I heard that even when I was in high school, nobody cares about the offensive line. They just see the running back scoring touchdowns and stuff like that. And I think it's important for a, for a O-line coach, whether he's junior high, whether he's junior varsity, whether he's varsity, uh, junior college or senior college division one through division three. I think it's important for that O-line coach to have a reputation with those guys of, hey, I have your back no matter what. When you come to the sideline, if we just gave up a sack, we're going to figure it out. Um, and, I, and I think it's big for, for an O-line coach um, to, to spend more time with those guys than anybody else on the staff, uh, whether a DB coach, a linebacker coach. I mean, the O-line coach has to be entrenched with those guys. And he'd better have played offensive line, in my opinion, uh, to understand – the amount of blocking schemes because, guys, y'all think about this. O-line coaches, they get the ref book, oh, we're just, oh, we're just dumb O-line coaches. <laughs> I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but you throw a three-man, a bear, uh, a four-man front, you start stemming, uh, you start walking backers down, you have to fan, you have to check to a, what we call a Montana call, man-on-man outside. Uh, you have to start doing that, and we play tempo. And if you don't get the call, I mean, that's, that's a train wreck ready to happen. So uh, I like to see them, and and our guys started doing it toward the end of the season. And we were we played a team called Jackson Academy, and, and guys, we were we were pounding the rock. So I told you we were wide splits, wide receivers. So they decided to run, defend the pass. So they gave us a three-two box, and that's like candy. And our O line <laughs> right. started mauling them. And uh, to see the joy on their faces and, and when it all starts clicking, you know, and I think how the o- offensive line goes is how your team's going to go in a sense because you, you always hear it too. It starts with the O-line. It starts with y'all up front. Well, it really does. And uh, that's the reason why Tom Brady's really good is because they're going to have an O-line that's going to take care of him. And uh, our O-line took care of our quarterback this year. And Kenny Williams, who's our O-line coach, does a phenomenal job. Uh, of knowing those guys and um, he's challenged himself to call them now either I think they got a couple of names going out like pancake posse uh, is going to be their o-line group name or or regulators um, or something and uh, so he's getting the identity thing but you know when I get pumped up when when Philip comes to the sidelines like coach I haven't been touched in like four series I was like I I know we're catching footballs and we're scoring touchdowns You know, and I was like, you need to go thank those big uglies over there. And um, so that that's for me, uh, seeing what – and I hope that that was what you wanted as an answer. Yes. Um, so I, I, when they move 
and I, you know, Dirty Dancing's, uh, I hate to admit that, is, is a good movie to watch. Uh, <laughs> I think mainly because my wife watches it and I'm like, all right, I'll, if I want to sit in bed with you, I'll, I got to watch it too. But, um, you know, when you see them moving like, like they're dancing and it's just, it, it just flows. It's fun to watch, but when it's, when it's ugly, it's, mm, when, when they got guys blitzing and they don't know what they're doing and they got the hands not on their hips, but up in the air. And that that's a recipe for disaster. So uh, thankful our guys uh, and coach Williams, they do an awesome job of knowing about blitz fronts, this, that, and, like I said, I don't even stick my nose in there. I'm I'm outside <laughs> wide, and I'm like, look, y'all, y'all just have the ball fast so we can go. Uh, so, kudos to uh, to Coach Williams and and our offensive line for doing a hell of a job on uh, getting our guys set and and paving the way for 42 points a game this year. Yeah, if you're gonna have that Ferrari on offense, you better have a dang good engine running the thing. Yeah, they're they're like the Buffalo Bills. Remember when they had O.J. Simpson? They called themselves the Electric Company because they turned the juice on and uh, our guys, man, they're, they are the engine. They are the horsepower. Uh, and once they get going, it's hard to stop us. Um, so there were, there were four times guys that we scored 50 points in a matter of one half and we were rolling. And uh, in Mississippi, when you're up 35, nothing uh, by halftime, they run the clock. So there were six or seven games this year that the clock ran in the second half. So no telling how many points we could have scored. Um, this year, but as a credit to our offensive line, and, uh, our our wide receivers and our running backs and, and our quarterback, who's um, who's pretty dang good. But it all starts with the with the OL up front. And by God, I'll tell you, you call yourselves Run the Power podcast. Two years ago, we lived by the power, <laughs> died by the power. But there weren't many times, and it was it was third and goal from the three. We're running the power. If it's fourth and goal from the one, we're running the power. Best best playing football. Why not? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, guys, I, I appreciate it. Um, uh, from all the way down in, in Madison, Mississippi, and I, I just – I'm blessed to be on uh, this podcast. I'm blessed to be at uh, MRA and what we do and, and how we're impacting lives with our kids. Um, you know, we're in the off season. This is the best time to, to cultivate those relationships because we're – we're about 180 something days away from first game. So we're a long way away, but we want to fascinate those kids every day uh, and make them have a daily win for, uh, for each day. So it's not so much, Hey, we're looking to day 182. We're looking for day one. And what's our daily win for today. And uh, that's what we celebrate every day, our daily win. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.